0: testing and we're live welcome everybody to the daily underswell your spot for sustainability news happening in the week I'm Derek Sabori I'm your host here with another edition of this small short quick sustainability update to get you caught up on what is happening with regards to sustainability products brands stories easy to digest news and um things that will relate to you as an average consumer in the economy a person who is just uh going about your business interested in sustainability understanding that you need to do something want to do something you want to be a part of this sort of new economy and uh you're feeling like you're not sure where to start so let me see if I can help you my job is to bring you stories of what um big brands, small brands, cool brands, fun brands, cool products and such are doing to lower their environmental footprint, be better to um, the planet, be better to people, and just to do business better. So let's dive in. I try to keep these short. We'll do it in about 24 minutes. That's always my goal. That's been my average. And I'm gonna break this into topics today where we're gonna look at Some general news, we're gonna dive into some things that are happening in the automotive space, Uh, look at some news in in the buildings um, and edifice space. We'll look at some mega retailers doing some neat things, and then of course, one of my my favorite topics, fashion. And as a reminder, if you're new to the show, I do this in one take, it's unedited, it's underproduced, and it is what it is, so I hope you enjoy it, but um, of course, if you've got any topics that you wanna be covered, Um, Or you've got any comments, criticisms, feedback, um, give me me a reply in the notes. But here we go. Are you aware of the 2017 Eco Challenge? This is by Northwest Earth Institute. And it takes place from October 11th to October 25th. It says small actions add up to real change. You can find this at 2017.ecochallenge.org. It's kind of a fun little thing. It says it's a fun and social way to take action on the issues you care about, take the challenge and see how two weeks of action can add up to a lifetime of positive change. Um, looks like there have been 11,154 other participants. It's powered by uh, the Northwest Earth Institute, who believes that the solution to the planet's biggest challenges lies in the power of collective action. By taking action in our own lives and inspiring the people around us, each of us contributes to a world and impact. So they've got challenges um, broken, up and broken up into categories, food, health, water, transportation, energy, um, community, waste, nature, simplicity, and create your own. And these categories are basically the breakdown of a sustainability course, which I teach at Orange Coast College here in California but if you were to look at sustainability and want to look at the things that matter, I would say this is a great roadmap, food, health, water, transportation, energy, community, waste, nature, simplicity, create your own. I guess there are probably a couple other things we can throw in there, but that's a great start. So if you were to click onto one of these challenges, for example, if we go into the, um, let's go into the energy, um, section. Saving energy is good for the planet, it says, and good for your wallet. Take on an energy challenge, select from the actions below, and watch your savings add up during the eco challenge. They've got different things where you earn badges by choosing LED bulbs, powering down your computer, doing an online energy audit, adjusting the thermostat, turning things off, replacing old thermostats, switching to cold water, using an energy meter, so on and so forth. The, uh, you break into teams, there are sponsors, um, there are points earned, and some of the prizes that they are offering. They've got giveaways ranging from uh, reusable bags, Keen shoes, gift cards, REI backpacks, TerraCycle zero waste box. In fact, we need to highlight TerraCycle one of these days. Maybe we'll do that today, but um, the top participant grand prize, they've got $500 in grand prizes, $1,500 in prizes, and um, it's kind of a fun way to get a team together, maybe do it within your company, do it within your school, do it within your family, but uh, check it out. That's the Northwest Earth Institute um, Eco Challenge, kind of a cool thing. Um, Also, a couple stories that, um, kind of a couple weeks old at at the most, but... Some things that I um, that, that caught my eye, two stories, one on environmental leader, good website, environmentalleader.com. This article, and it was posted on a couple other places too, it's by Jennifer Hermes. It says, we have time to meet climate goals, study says, but not for the reason you might think. Keeping global warming below one and a half degrees Celsius is still possible, a new study indicates, which may or may not uh, be, be music to some people's ears in fact the world's economies can emit an additional 700 billion tons of carbon dioxide before exceeding one and a half degrees more than twice the previous estimates according to research published by nature geoscience that's about 20 years at present day emissions said richard miller who's a climate scientist at the university of oxford and lead author of the study which can be found at e360 it says but the change in the estimate of how much more carbon the world can emit and still keep climate change to a minimum is not because, as some have reported, their effects of carbon emissions are not as bad as previously thought. Rather, the author says, the study took a better account of past emissions and where we are today in terms of human-induced warming. The single most important factor in the extent of future global warming and our cumulative emissions of CO2, the authors wrote in a blog post, uh, maybe I read that wrong, the single most important factor in the extent of future global warming is our cumulative emissions of CO2. That's what they said. And it says, while a study published last July gave the world only a 1% chance that it can limit climate change to 1.5 degrees Celsius, which is sort of that magic number that is um, said to be or the threshold of which we can't come back from, Miller says the new research means that keeping global warming to 1.5 degrees C still remains a geophysical possibility. So that's a bit of, of good news. Does't mean we have to we can stop and let up on the gas, but um, maybe things aren't quite so dire. maybe just plain old dire. It says uh, the study from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which is the IPCC, which issues a great report on sort of the state of, state of climate change, finds that nations can emit a total of about a thousand more gigatons of CO2 to keep global warming be- below the Paris agreement target of two degrees Celsius. That's compared to the 2015 study that said emissions would have to be limited to under 400 gigatons. So um, to put that in perspective, it says currently the world emits 41 gigatons of CO2 per year. CO2, of course, carbon dioxide. And at the current pace, and if the new study is correct, the world would have an additional 20 years before the carbon budget is spent. That may seem like a long time in terms of us... uh, us humans as individuals but in the in the grand scheme of things that is just a tiny little blip on the radar so um this article though does say it says but is the new study correct some scientists are skeptical when it's such a substantial difference you really need to sit back and ponder what that actually means glenn peters an expert on climate and emissions trajectories at the center for international climate research in oslo says because the implications of a substantial revision to the carbon budget are profound you're going to have some extra eyes really scrutinizing that this is a robust result. And Additionally, news about the study has been reported in confusing and sometimes inaccurate ways, with some articles using the study as a way of downgrading the threat of climate change. So let's be sure that that doesn't happen on your watch. Miller and, other authors of the, and another author of the study, Miles Allen, took to The Guardian to clarify, we knew this finding would be controversial since previous estimates had indic- indicated that To meet the same goal, emissions might have to reach zero in well under a decade, which really is inconceivable. The reason for the new estimate is not that the authors had a different view on how climate is affected by metric ton of CO2 emitted. In fact, they used exactly the current consensus range. Rather, the study took better account of past emissions and where human-induced warming has got to already, they wrote. So, um, it looks like we've got another 20 years um, to uh, to be on the planet, so that's some good news. But then on some bad news, how about this one? Tropical forests no longer a carbon sink, and this was a, a bit of a of a letdown because as we all hear and know how um, beneficial the rainforests are and tropical forests are, how much they give, they are um, they sequester carbon and um, they are just uh, life giving. But this new report that I found on innovation um, innovation-forum.co.uk. It's called for it's in the forests and agriculture section, Innovation Forum, in um, events and insight for sustainability. It says a new study provides further evidence of the need for companies to rapidly step up progress on deforestation. Tropical forests used to absorb carbon. Now they emit as much as all u.s transit a stand a standout headline as a new study published by science magazine caused a bit of a media stir once again um, says once considered an all-important carbon sink which is a uh, a place that um, will absorb all that cotton the study is suggesting that tropical forests have reached a significant turning point using satellite data to quantify net annual changes in the above ground carbon density of tropical vegetation Scientists suggest that deforestation, drought, and other forest disturbance and degradation have made tropical forests a net producer of carbon rather than acting as a sink. So to me, I read that and see that tropical forests just can't keep up. So uh, at one time, a producing a net positive effect, seems like every time we cut down a tree, those trees emit the, the carbon that is stored. And sometimes we're cutting down so much that the... Um, the net carbon that is uh, released into the air is uh, more than those those the remaining trees can um, can absorb and sequester. Let's see. So they have become a net producer of carbon. In fact, the study says that every year, instead of absorbing carbon, the degraded tropics are actually producing more carbon, around 425 teragrams of carbon, than all the greenhouse gases produced by vehicles in the U.S. Huh. A silver lining is there an opportunity scientist alessandro bacchini one of the study's authors has tried to put a positive spin on the development nice uh, nice job mr bacchini because this is uh, sad news but it says what this study is telling us is that the forest is actually a great opportunity forests in the tropics are actually a source of carbon meaning they are emitting more than removing but you can change that he says putting an end to deforestation which is just clear cutting and Wiping out forests in the tropics could cut GHGs, which are your greenhouse gas emissions, by around 862 teragrams of carbon, or 8% of the annual global emissions. The study's numbers suggest that even a slight improvement in the rate of tree loss could make a huge difference. So I like that perspective. That's um, that's rather optimistic and that is just saying that hey these um, just every opportunity we can we can take to stop cutting down so much could really have a big impact impact because we're seeing that um, um, that this is because, that this is such a huge problem and it's so impactful that um, you know a big reversal can have a big impact. However, while there has perhaps been an element of media hyperbole on the science studies findings, this is the latest research that suggests tropical deforestation is not, being reversed at anything like the rates required to have positive impact on climate change and other potential global environmental crises. So it talks about turning the tide and how urgent there is a need to scale action faster, pushing for big companies to make a difference in their own business. Um, We've talked a lot about different companies that have committed to sourcing responsibly, whether it's through their, their wood practices, their cellulosic fiber, or their paper policies. So, obviously, this is um, this is a big deal, and this is why we want to look for that FSC certification on things, or there's the SFI, or just looking for traceability in the supply chain so that you know that the products that you buy that ultimately come back from trees, um, that they are um, sourced sustainably, and palm oil sector is um, a big issue. Uh, area of concern as well. And in fact, this article mentions that it says Indo frustrations in Indonesia, for example, despite a lot of effort and attention, while there have been some positive moves in the palm oil sector, for example, through the RSPO and other action, broader progress on deforestation, peatland restoration and forest rehabilitation rates has been slow. And um, if you've seen some of the other um, shows, we've talked about palm oil and often Tropical forests are cut down uh, just to make room to grow more palm because the the, um, the palm for palm oil is so much more valuable. So it's sort of this vicious cycle as we see in that palm oil is used in a lot of products that we use around our household and in our lives every day. So look for companies that have committed to sustainable palm oil or are starting to eliminate palm oil so that we can let these tropical forests um, recover. Cause as we're learning, um, if they don't recover soon, we'll see um, maybe some even more uh, repercussions. So that's the general news. Couple stories there. How about um, how about heading over into the automotive sector? A couple things I like. One, I like the idea that I've seen this um, the VW bus that's coming back that is electric. And actually, I forgot to pull this one up, so I'm googling that right now. It's official. The VW bus is back and it's electric. I've got an electric, uh, part electric car right now. I've got the Ford um, plug-in Energy um, C-Max, and it's really cool. It's so fun to drive electric, and I love um, you know, not having to fill up my tank very often, so keep an eye out for that VW bus. This story, though, is on greenbiz.com by Michael Holder. It says, Nissan reveals a revolutionary new wave of EVs. In one of the previous shows, I also mentioned that Volvo Um, had committed I believe it was by 2020 something crazy like that that they were um, all of their vehicles will be electric in fact that they are um, are they abandoning the the combustible combustible engine I believe and moving to all electric but anyway that's a that's a different story this one says that um, as more of its best-selling leaf electric cars roll onto roads each year Nissan's vision for the next wave of electric vehicles or EVs development is not exactly lacking in ambition Not only is the company readying for an updated version of the Leaf for sale next year that will drastically increase its range, how far it will drive, but it it also is plotting a decade-long expansion of its green mobility business to include electricity grid stability services and home battery storage. Lots of news and lots of innovations going on in the home battery storage. That's sort of a big story. Basically, if you're looking at getting solar, you're also probably looking at getting a home battery storage system. But uh, this article goes on to say that the stated end goal is nothing less than transforming modern life for millions of people around the world. Given Leaf's early success and the disruptive potential offered by falling storage costs and smart grid technologies, the company's predictions do not feel as hyperbolic as they would have done just a few years ago. So they have set out to create an EV ecosystem across Europe. Um, They issued a flurry of announcements, including the launch of a new version of its NV200 electric van and the unveiling of plans for an enhanced range of home charging units. Now, when I see um, electric vans, which are, um, this one looks super great because that's the car I wanted. I wanted a van. I wanted a van that I could put my stuff in, my surfboards and our snowboards, and we could take trips in and put my bike in there and whatever, but you can't really find them. So you're stuck with these little cars like the C-Max, which is, tiny, but uh, you know, so I'm I'm excited to see this and I'm excited to see that um, VW bus, but this article goes on to showcase their new home energy storage system, which looks really sleek. They've got this, um, they've got pictures of the van here. They say, step by step, we are removing any barriers to electric vehicle adoption from infrastructure investment to how people access the power itself. So um, nice work to um, to Nissan. I'm excited to see what they come up with and what these new cars look like, but um, that new little van, kind of like a little transit van, looks kind of cool, as does the new Leaf. It Looks very uh, stylish, a lot more, I don't know, a lot more acceptable or sort of a European than maybe the first Leaf did. So that's what's going on in automobiles. Let's move over to buildings. Um, I found on 3BL Media, which is uh, just that, the number 3BLmedia.com. Bloomberg did an announcement. Bloomberg, the, um, in their campaign, Sustainable Business, their new European headquarters rated the world's most sustainable office building. So that's a, big, uh, that's a big award. But their new European headquarters is the world's most sustainable office building as designed. The building achieved an outstanding rating against the BREEAM sustainability assessment method with a 98.5% score. This is the highest design stage score ever achieved by any major office development. Um, Michael R. Bloomberg, founder of the Bloomberg LP, said we believe that environmentally friendly practices are as good for business as they are for our planet. From day one, they set out to push the boundaries of sustainable office design and to create a place that excites and inspires our employees. Their missions were to set a new standard for what an office environment can be. And then it says that compared, because a quote compared to a typical office building, the new Bloomberg, Bloomberg's building, their environmental strategies deliver a 73% saving in water consumption, and a 35% saving in energy consumption, and associated CO2 emissions. Innovative power, lighting, water, and ventilation systems account for the majority of energy savings. And it's designed to utilize waste products, respond to the building's external environment, and adapt to its occupancy patterns. Many of these solutions are first of a kind, it says. Um, You can learn more on their website, bloomberg.com. Just uh, search company or announcements or Bloomberg Most Sustainable Office Building, but they've got a nice little um, section here with some some photos and some comparisons, some innovation highlights, um, integrated ceiling panels, 500,000 LED lights using 40% less energy, um net zero uh, mains water for flushing natural ventilation smart airflow combined heat and power some great schematics and drawing a global commitment it says really nice to break it down um, one thing that i let's see let's touch on them real quick so that bream the world's foremost environmental assessment method and uh, rating system for buildings looks like that's kind of like a lead certification but BREAM, um, let's see, it's the world's leading sustainability s- assessment method for master planning projects, infrastructure buildings. It addresses a number of life cycle stages, such as new construction, refurbishment, and in use. And globally, there are more than 562,000 BREAM certified developments and, a- and almost 2.266 mil- uh, million buildings registered for assessment since it was first launched in 1990. So, if, um, if that Bloomberg building is ranking the highest, then um looks like they've, they've uh, sat amongst many a company, and congratulations to, uh, to Bloomberg, because there are over 500,000 certificates, two, over two million registered buildings in 76 countries, and the building in mention ranks the highest. So go check it out, especially if you want to get inspiration for your own corporation, your uh, business building, or your business uh, headquarters, or your, your house. Um, let's talk about big buildings how about um, mega retailers I always like when mega retailers are doing something fun and inspirational for the rest of us but SC Johnson I found this on triplepundit.com the the website that focuses on people planet profit this um, article was by Leon K and um, this is in the consumer packaged goods section but their buy of method and ecover um, is the latest in become in becoming sustainable by acquisition so here's when big companies decide to buy more smaller uh, more sustainable companies to make their whole portfolio more sustainable but it says earlier this month sc johnson announced its acquisition of ecover and method two brands approved sustainable cleaning products could be hip competitively priced and effective the news was generally greeted with a yawn if not overlooked, though that certainly was no fault of Wisconsin-based S.C. Johnson. Geopolitics and a barrage of headlines have sucked all the oxygen out of the newswires news in recent weeks. But it says, Never- nevertheless, the cleaning products and consumer packaged goods sectors have been in the midst of a long-standing trend, as summed up by their CEO, Fisk Johnson. He said, method and ecover have a strong tradition of innovation and delivering on consumers' needs. They are a great complement to SC Johnson's trusted lineup of iconic brands. So in other words, consumers are increasingly concerned about the sustainability of their products and the conduct of the companies from which they buy their favorite brands. I like that, the conduct of the companies. So not only how they build things or where they build them um, or what products they use to build them, but how they behave as a corporate um, citizen. It says the outcome is a huge challenge for some of the world's largest consumer product goods companies, who find themselves boxed by changing consumer preferences. Younger consumers want more products with a conscience. conscience. Other uh, customers, however, are loyal to their favorite brands and would rather not see them change. That tension is in part what drove Unilever to acquire 7th Generation last year. And the Anglo-Dutch conglomerate was briefly rumored to be intoxicated to buy the Honest Company, um, Honest Tea. So as a result, some analytics said Procter & Gamble was under pressure to complete a similar deal. To date, such an acquisition has not occurred. P&G has instead decided to follow a strategy of making eco-friendly versions of iconic brands such as Tide Detergent. But meanwhile, the company has endured several years of sluggish sales. Many of the company's observers are not thrilled with P&G's long-term prospects. The problem P&G faces is that if given the choice between a conventional and eco product, brand loyalists will stick with what they know. Millennials and more conscious consumers, meanwhile, will gravitate towards the brightly colored spray bottles of Method instead of the dowdy alternatives like um, the likes of P&G, Clorox, and Unilever have long pitched. One argument in support of a conventional company buying a smaller sustainable firm is the synergy that can result. So um, the article goes on, talks about that, talks about what Clorox have done, but... um, could Methods founders Adam Lowry and Eric Ryan offer SC Johnson the jolt of innovation for which the company inferred it was looking, and will the family of companies that comprises SC Johnson be receptive to the weird culture that Lowry and Ryan instilled at Methods headquarters? Well, if the two cultures can mesh, SC Johnson has a huge opportunity to win new customers over, and not just those buying ylang ylang scented shower spray so um, that's good news for brands that are um, building their products more sustainably committed to sustainability and or doing bet, um, business better they've got the eye of these bigger companies with deep pockets and uh, speaking of that how about target also here on triple pundit um, the retail giant target has committed to 100 percent sustainable cotton by 2022 this article also by leon k I like this. Um, it says, add target to the list of retail and apparel companies that say they will commit to a supply chain that will only source sustainable cotton. And This is the goal here of the show is to kind of highlight these stories that some of these big companies are doing, maybe under the hood that you didn't necessarily know about and you may not actually hear about, but um, I like to give them credit and because this is hard work to do. and A lot of times there's a premium that, that they're paying and they uh, may or may not have to pass that on to us, the, co- the consumer. But um, in this case, it says the Minnesota-based retailer announced yesterday that by 2020, it will only secure cotton from sustainable sources from its national brands in apparel, home products, and other goods. The company also posted an updated cotton sourcing policy on its website. So go check out their website. i sure it's target.com. And they say five years may sound like an eternity to environmental and human rights activists who have long rallied against cotton's impacts on people on the planet. But for a company with a complex supplier base such as Target to accomplish this goal by 2020 is actually an ambitious timeframe. And that I completely agree with. Having worked in the apparel space myself for many years, I was actually surprised by that 2020 goal. Um, That is coming right up. And um, you know, hats off to Target because 2022 is just around the corner and they'll probably have a lot of work to do, but they are working with the Better Cotton Initiative, which is called BCI, and Organic and Cotton Leads, L E A D S, as their preferred cotton programs. So uh, I'm sure they will be doing a mix of organic cotton, sustainable cotton, and some of uh, gro- cotton grown in certain regions of the world in certain ways. But um, either way, that's a good step forward because they wanted to partner with cotton producers, the fiber's water footprint, the use of chemicals with cotton supply chains, soil health, and ethical working conditions. Those are their outlined four major challenges that they want to address. So good job, Target. They, um, um, they should be stoked and they should be happy. And we should be happy that big companies like that are doing these things that we need them to do because we should not, as the consumers, have to be the ones constantly putting the pressure on. I think big corporations big corporations should be putting pressure on themselves. So this again, we're at the 28-minute mark. I'm going to wrap up uh, for this episode. We'll dive back into these other fashion articles that are here on the next episode. I want to get you out of here, get you back to your day, get you on to your next podcast. But um, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for caring about better business and sustainability. Check back soon. And um, I'm starting to throw some interviews up on the uh, up on the podcast um, list as well, just with people that are doing cool things, people that have um, great outlooks, positivity, sustainability, better business. So have a look and uh, let me know what you think. But um, I appreciate you tuning in. Have a great day. Talk to you next time.